Welcome to the Yoga Conversations podcast. This is your host Harish Punjabi. We talk with yoga, meditation and wellness practitioners. We explore this mystic space, try to dissect it and make it accessible for everyone. Let's begin with the show. Welcome everyone to the Yoga Conversations podcast where we meet with yogis, meditation and wellness practitioners. they help us dissect this mystic space and make it accessible for everyone so today we have with us mansi mahajan who is a yogi and an entrepreneur she is an international yoga and wellness coach who has her own yoga school under the international yoga alliance and she also leads yoga retreats and workshops both in india and abroad she is the founder of house of kapali this is her entrepreneur side which is an award winning wellness space based in delhi goa and himalayas and she is also the founder of manaste which promotes a lifestyle of well being inside and out she is also an published author who has recently completed a series of yoga books for children and she has been awarded the exceptional women of excellence award by the women economic forum 3 years in a row being a source of inspiration she believes that the need for practices that open our hearts and unite our spirit is more urgent than ever so welcome manchi thank you harish it's wonderful to be here with you and your beautiful family that you're creating with all the wonderful efforts that you're doing so thank you for having me very thank honored thank you it was good to hear about that so um Manji, I'll jump right in. How did you start your journey into yoga? Uh, my journey into yoga—that's an interesting question because it began before I even, uh, you know, b- maybe before I even understood what life was had in store for me. So I think my first yoga class must have been when I was twelve years old. <laughs> so you know, my um, my mother she just took my sister and I to. a yoga shala which was across from our house and i was so inspired by this lady because she would like she would you know push away her whole house to create space put yoga mats 4 am every day and then she'll put her house all the furniture back in every day at 4 pm and this was her life for years i think she still does it and she's you know she must be like 70 now and she looks not a day over 45 I was like she's doing something right I'll do this. <laughs> and I think it wasn't even a conscious decision you know when you're so young in your early teens if something reaches deep it really goes deep. So you know just I learned a few basic practices that stayed with me my whole adult life till I consciously then you know sort of um, said that this is a path that I want to walk. this is the knowledge the more i learned about the wisdom of yoga the more i learned about its efficacy over the years the more i felt i wanted to share it with everyone around me you know so it just it felt like there was so much to be shared and uh, you know one does realize that because it stayed with you so long it will probably stay with you even longer <laughs> so um yeah i think it was uh, then you know from just a practitioner about 9 uh, years ago I became a teacher and I've been sharing this uh, beautiful science and the wisdom the you know the ancient wisdoms ever since yeah well that's, that's the journey <laughs> that continues 
And how was your uh, first, let's say, if you did a TTC course or did you meet any Guruji with you? How was that experience? It was beautiful. I always say, I mean, now that I'm running my own teacher training programs, you know, now, I mean, that's what I tell my students that uh, this point in your life will change your life. It is so deeply transformative and it's transformative because you don't know it's going to transform you inside out. You know, you feel like, you know, we just like I wanted to, I, I did the teacher training program, for example, to deepen my own knowledge. At that moment, I didn't have the intention to teach. Right. And uh, most of I know this because uh, I talk to a lot of aspiring teachers. Most of the teachers come to yoga or come to a TTC program because they want to deepen their own knowledge. I mean, and people are afraid of teaching. They're like, no, 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 I don't want to teach. And I was the same way. But once you step into that space, it, you know, it unravels right at your very deep cellular level. It talks to you. It talks to you at your natural state. You know, so it's almost like layers are peeling off. Layers that we've accumulated are just peeling off because you go so deep inside yourself, not just with the, you know, the academia aspect, not just the philosophy, but it's all of it put together. You know, it's the lifestyle. It's that whole beautiful uh, space that's created for you to learn and grow. You know, it's, it's almost like you go on a fast track. You know, it's like you're on a fast track mission. Um, so where, whatever you're doing, will become more intense. So at that time, we're in a very intensive sadhana, right? When you're doing the teacher training program, it's a very intense sadhana. So you go on a fast track and, you know, on the other side, you're like, wow, did I just do that? And um, you, you, really, you, you really kind of impress yourself that you, you were capable of doing it. So, I mean, for me, my experience was very intense. And that's why, you know, this year we're running our first teacher training program. I'm so like honored to be able to share this journey even further and to create beautiful teachers into the world because I think it's such a big responsibility. So yeah, it's been, it's been a beautiful journey of over a decade to actually come to this point. Um, and I know the alchemy that takes place when you step into that program, when you step into, you know, it's not about the program. It's about how it transforms you just you know, just the idea of you taking responsibility and wanting to go deep inside of yourself, wanting to go inside and acquire teaching skills that may or may not pursue, but mostly they do. But uh, it's, um, yeah, I think it's, it makes you meet yourself. Wow. Wow. That means that's a wonderful story. As in, you had those inhibitions when you were a student yourself, but then slowly oh, yeah. realized that you should teach. Um, but uh, let's say as you got into teaching, what was your experience as you started your first uh, teaching phase? As in, did you see uh, some uh, problems which, or let's say some uh, thoughts which the students come with pre-hand as they join yoga? As in, there are some assumptions with some people who come into yoga. What was those yeah. things that you observed? Very much so. Especially now we're talking about, you know, we're, not, we're talking about pre-pandemic times, right? So people had a lot of 
fixed ideas, a lot of inhibitions about yoga. Yoga is slow. Yoga is so boring. <laughs> I'm like, please do one class with me. It's it's anything but that, you know, and people get amazed how, you know, those barriers get broken down because yoga is anything but slow. Yoga is anything but passive. You know, it's just, uh, you know, it's like I ask people, I'm like, what is it that you want? You know, what is it that you want your mat to gift you? What is it that you want to take away? And it's, you know, obviously it's not about what you do on your mat. It's what you carry off your mat is what really yoga is, right? So it's, you know, say you, you inculcated something in your practice. Say you inculcated spandan or ananda, you know, whatever you uh, aspired to be that day. But how do you carry it? while you're cooking your food, while you're talking to your family, while you're interacting with the world, how do you carry that, right? And that's what, I mean, then it doesn't matter whether it's fast or slow or whatever, because it's, you know, it changes you at this deep intrinsic level, right? So then those barriers, whatever people had, those inhibitions they had, they're just, they fade away in the distance because this is so much more than you can ever hope for. You know, it's like, it's therapy, it's movement, it's laughter, it's breath work, it's dhyana, all in one beautiful hour. Wow. Wow. There's such a thing in this world that you can have it all in one hour. And then, you know, those inhibitions break down very quickly. I'm not going to say that, you know, it's like, because, you know, like, and it is, you guys, you know, it's a workout of the nervous system, of the cardiovascular system, of the respiratory system. Of course, we're moving the body head to toe, but it's so much more than that. That's one little aspect, right? That's just like just the top of the surface. We know that as practicing yogis, you know that there's so much more to it. There's so, so much more. I mean, it's, uh, it's so, it's sad to say that, you know, like you get a workout or, uh, you know, you want to like tone your body. That's why you're doing yoga. That's, you know, it's just all that um, all those things are beautiful byproducts. They're side effects. <laughs> it's so much more than that. True, true. Especially the last point you mentioned about dhyana. Um, this is a big problem which has arisen uh, in the last one year itself. Since COVID hit us that many people are suffering a lot of mental uh, illnesses. Yes. A lot of anxiety, a lot of stress that people have started facing. Yeah. And uh, whenever you, I know, again, it could be something wrong from our side because people, if we recommend them to do yoga, they will again assume that it's just a set of asanas. Yeah. Why should we do that for mental peace? But uh, there should, it is very difficult to help them and make them understand all that. Yeah, but I think now people are coming, you know, because... I think because yogis did something right, you know, like for so many centuries, we've been yapping away that, you know, do yoga, do some meditation, do some pranayama. And suddenly the pandemic put everything in perspective for everyone. So now, now teachers are not running up to students. Students are coming by the truckload. It's like, no, no, I want to do pranayama. I want to daily pranayama practice every day. Please teach me meditation. Teach me mindfulness. So it's really like, you know, the pandemic turned people's attitudes on its head. And it's a correction that was waiting to happen. So, you know, I think it's this, if this beautiful subliminal idea we can carry with us, 
I think we'll be in a much better place pre-pandemic and post-pandemic. We could be a much happier generation of people. So even though you're right, people have really suffered mental, uh, you know, mental health has really suffered through this time. It's been challenging for each one of us because we didn't have the toolkit to deal with these situations. We didn't know how to navigate through this storm. Uh, but if we get through on the other side, and I think, you know, the end is in sight, we would come out much more stronger. We'd come out more transformed. We'd come out resilient. So I think that is already happening. Yeah, that's that's very well said. Yeah, as in people have been more accepting towards, uh, especially pranayam. Because COVID had a major yeah. effect on lungs. So everyone wanted yeah. to pranayam. They wanted to sit down and breathe. Yeah, such a beautiful thing, actually. We've got to, we've got to, at some level, I think we've got to thank the virus. Virus, Guru virus, thank you. <laughs> for, you know, for teaching us, for helping us go back to, uh, you know, ancient wisdom. So it's, um, it's been, I think it's been, it's been a challenge, of course, and every challenge is an opportunity to grow. So I think people have, you know, taken it also in their stride and they have offered themselves really beautiful. I call these atomic habits, right? Micro habits that, you know, like I always say that if you want to change your life from the inside out, you don't have to go meditate in a cave in the Himalayas, which is lovely to do, which is wonderful if you have the opportunity. But what you need to do is just add these beautiful atomic habits in your life that will actually, those are the ones that will, you know, sustain. And you do a mandala, you know, you do a 21 days or a 40 days with that habit. And then it will make sure that that habit is etched in your routine. So it's, um, you know, these small little changes that we can actually invite into our life. And a lot of them, you know, like for, I'm working a lot with corporates these days. So I always tell these guys who are always plugged in for 12, 18 hours, you know, that take two minutes of a breathing break every two hours. So simple. And people get back to me and saying that, wow, we feel instead of feeling uh, more tired, you know, you feel more productive, you feel more awakened. Two minutes of breathing. Wow. You know, it's absolutely miraculous because we know, I mean, we know this as practitioners that all it is, it's that one moment of that energetic shift, right? It takes one moment to completely shift your energies from like say yin to yang or back to yin or like, um, you know, like if you're feeling, you know, if you're feeling heavy and burdened to feel light and expansive, you know, you just have to tap into the heart energy. You know, it's, 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 there is a science behind it. And when people learn about the science, you know, they get amazed because it works. <laughs> That's that's true. All all these small small habits would give you a major compounding yes. effect down the line. Beautiful, yeah. That's that's the word exactly. So uh, now coming back to your own uh, yoga practice, uh, what changes did you observe after getting into yoga in physiological and spiritual sense? And I'm asking this in two ways. The first way is. As you entered into yoga, let's say your first year, and now in your 10th year, 
what were the changes that happened if physiologically and spiritually yeah this is a this is a, this is really quite a heavy question you ask me everything <laughs> <laughs> yeah because um, you know it's uh, it sustains me it's it's the you know it's it's the breath really it's really it is the breath and i really wondered how we live without connection to our breath you know it's um, it's it's almost like you're you're living your life with uh, with no navigation system so it's like you're driving on the road but like you have a gps but you're not using it right so and the gps is the guru positioning system huh <laughs> so you're not activating your gps so what you're doing is that you're going this way you're lost you're going that way you're lost where you have this beautiful mechanism you just don't know how to use it so i mean for me like learning yoga and um, it's not just learning right it's about the application of it like my guru says that you know yoga works beautifully it will change your life but the thing is that you have to practice it <laughs> so exact so you know like with all of these practices the efficacy is in the practice itself practice and all is coming even with you know even with my spiritual practices so blessed to be initiated into you know the line of um, spirituality or practices that i was i feel so grateful that you know i carry that um, you know in, like just on the surface of my heart every day i'm so you know it's just i think it's gratitude which really makes it even bigger because what you're doing you're doing but offering gratitude you know offering thanks on a daily basis just i think amplifies everything that's that alchemy that's going on inside you so you said physiologically how do you feel this i get told all the time like so you know i um i also host um, international women's conferences so you know we go around the world hosting these conferences and this is one question people always ask me like you know we do conferences with thousands of people around the world they the, at the end of the day they're like how are you still on how are you still going because i'm on the stage for 12 hours non stop for example right i'm like you've got to dig deep to rise high <laughs> you know so it's really it's a result of my practices that you know the energy the sense of exuberance this the sense of joy that i can I, that i feel myself and that i'm able to trans transmit and i know i can because i see a change in the energies of people when you know i meet them and then when we leave there is a difference like we're you know we've rhythmized so and i will not allow any you know like any lower vibrations to enter me because i know i can control it now i know this much you know one has well, obviously the higher vibration will consume all the lower vibrations right it's like the energy and the passion of fire it will burn all the impurities around it so big energy big vibration works the very same way it just you know sort of purges everything that's in its way which is um, impure or you know lower whatever you could say um so yeah this is one thing that i think i've received as the most cherished gift uh, after years of practice is um the sense of exuberance that is inherent for me 
you know, I'm, uh, I just, um, yeah, I'm always on. <laughs> I'm always on. <laughs> it's hard to turn me off. <laughs> so it, uh, people tell me that, uh, you know, like, oh, what is it? What is the key? How does it happen? So I'm like, it's, uh, you know, it's uh, yoga se hoga. <laughs> so, and yoga is again, like we know yoga is a big gamut, you know, it's, it's the spiritual practice, it's the physical practice. And for me, it's much more than the physical practice. It's much more than the asana practice that happens, you know, for me, my asana practice happens when I'm teaching, but uh, it's really like, you know, the kriyas that I do, the, you know, the kriyas that I've been initiated into, and that's really the, the depth of, my morning that's really the depth of who I am without that I don't think I would sustain and I would be able to do all that I do like I have you know I move I move really fast like I move fast from in my head like in you know because I love to for me a place of I don't have children I don't plan to have children but my children are the ideas that I give birth to it's the businesses that I love to you know put into the world and it's um, for me it's really that birthing process is so redeeming it's so joyful and it's so deeply connecting so it's uh, all these babies that i give birth to they you know they keep me going and i think that's all coming from an activated swadishtana chakra it's coming from a deep sense of muladhara you know so it's like we know after you know once we know once you know once you know what kind of practices you're doing you know what's activating you know where you need to do the work i remember a time when I would feel often, uh, you know, like shorter words. I, and you can see I speak a lot, but, you know, I would like, I would not express my authentic truth. And then I was experiencing, say, for example, trouble in my, you know, like in my glands, in my throat gland. And then I realized that maybe this is what it is. I need to learn to, you know, not be nice all the time. I have to learn to say, Okay, you know, draw the boundaries. So all this awareness, all these, you know, as you move from gross to subtle, you really learn about where you are, you know, where, where is your barometer in, in your life, in, you know, in, uh, with people around you as well, with work you do as well. So it's, um, I think that, um, that vision, the clarity of vision is what comes from your practices. I think if I was going to, if I was going to describe it in one word, I think that's what it is. It's, you know, it's, it's a sense of purpose that unravels to you. So we all have plans, right? But the idea is that you have a sense of purpose because then plans will be made how they have to be. But it's, you know, this tapping into your purposefulness, which is the most beautiful, beautiful offering of your spiritual physical practices you know the gift of yoga that's that's true. i could go on harish <laughs> <laughs> no no uh, that's very well put about purpose uh, and again this is for our audience what you mean by purpose is not like a specific goal it's more like a broader vision of what you expect from life and uh, that is something which is drawing uh, you towards it if tell me if i'm wrong on that part Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's, um, it's a bird's eye view. It's like you're able to see, you can switch from micro and macro. And that is a beautiful ability. So you can observe keenly the detail. We know God lives in the details, but you also have the capability to zoom out and be able to see this entire expansive 
field of vision. And that, you know, like it's like you're looking down from a plane. It's a beautiful sight. You marvel at the world you live in. You marvel at, you know, the life that you create for yourself. You marvel at the people that surround you and hold you, you know, unquestioningly. You know, you marvel at like mama nature. You marvel at like I have this beautiful dancing peacock who's just not stopping to bloom. And you marvel. And it's just like, it. you know, it's, it's such a deep, sense of overbrimming gratitude yeah both the micro and the macro both the levels of it <laughs> true true and uh, you also mentioned a very good part in the first part of your answer that was about breath so yeah. i had heard this story from a monk uh, about his own experience and he had shared that he had gone to a school uh, to get initiated there he saw that there were very young monks as in uh, they could be like five-year-olds and mm-hmm. the first class which they experienced was it was not uh, learning to speak it was not alphabets the first very first class was to learn to breathe and the teacher who told them the lesson was that the breath is the first thing which starts in your life and is the last thing which ends in your life and that was a very beautiful thing which we don't realize beautiful beautiful i often like i often say that because it really is you know it's the most intrinsic aspect of our being and we pay no attention to it we pay no you know uh, the, this is also something to think about right like it's we so like let me ask you this arish right okay like do you know how long a human being can survive without food no no you're a long distance runner you should know these things so 21 days oh okay you know how long um human being can survive without so 3 weeks yeah how long can a human survive without water 3 to 4 days yeah 3 days exactly okay and how long do we survive can we survive without breath 3 minutes wow exactly oh that's it so and then it's amazing because when we go out there to like you know people are like oh, you know i'm going to i'm going to like this is my resolution for the new month or the new year i'm going to change my life i'm going to get fit healthy all that they'll begin with a diet right the, you know all these fancy diets they'll begin with they'll begin with hydration they'll start you know having green juices they will not so it's it's such a paradox that the one thing that we can't survive more than 3 minutes for is the last thing we come to when we want to start to transform our life so it's uh, like you said it's you know it's in the same rhythm of what you were saying that it's the very first act that brings us to life and you know it's the last breath that sort of brings our onward journey and um, everything in between is life but you know the the holding the pillars of our life here is that inhalation and that exhalation it's um, and i like the word inspiration right because you're not just inspiring air but you're inspiring life you're inspiring ideas you're inspiring you know this beautiful energy that the universe brings to us and in the same breath like you know you're expiring because every out breath is an opportunity for us to come in touch with our own mortality you know every out breath 
is an expiration of our life energies so that you come back to life on the inspiration. So it's so beautiful because it's, you know, it's such a beautiful continuity of um, living and dying in every breath. You know, it's such a beautiful reciprocity. And again, like, you know, the air that I'm breathing, if we were sitting in the same room, we'd be sharing the air we're breathing. And, you know, that, uh, and the air is just ever expansive, right? So like we share in our body, we share the atoms with, you know, a banyan tree in the jungle in Goa or like, um, you know, with the Sahara desert, the sand. So there is, you know, we're so intricately connected, you know, so it's uh, 60% of our DNA is still, you know, Jesus, Jesus's DNA or, you know, Krishna's DNA. So we're, um, yeah, there's so much power here. If you tap into it, it's just, yeah, it can be miraculous. So that's that's uh, true about uh, breath and the value of it. And uh, again, this message goes out to a lot of uh, people who are looking to go in, uh, get into yoga. This is something which, uh, if you're learning, is the first thing which you should get into. So, uh, once you now getting into your business side, yeah, you run a wellness company. No, based. Yeah. On your company's research for good skin or good hair, what recommendations would you give someone? As well as, can you share two food items which someone should add regularly in their meals? Yeah. Okay. So, um, so yes. Yeah, so, I do run a, a wellness brand called Manaste. Uh, we make... Uh, Edible skincare, we make, I mean, we make yoga apparel, you know, we're bringing back the ancient way of living. That's the aim. Uh, so two, uh, two changes that people can make in their, uh, you know, in their uh, routine on a daily basis. So uh, a couple of years ago, I stopped using soap. So I think uh, that's one thing I would recommend. You can, you know, there are so many beautiful ways to cleanse and beautify and uh, glow in our pantry, in our kitchen, you know, especially the Indian kitchen, it's abundant with goodness. So, you know, you can switch your soap to, you know, basin, chickpea flour, or, you know, crushed uh, pulses, dolls, and then mix it up with, uh, you know, depending on the skin type, you can mix it up with um, turmeric, haldi, milk, you know, just so basically what we call, uh, what our grandmothers called uptan. So I think, uh, you know, just bringing back the idea of uptan rather than soap, because there's no need, we don't need those chemicals because our skin is the largest organ of our body. What you apply gets absorbed. 60% of what we place on the surface gets absorbed. So we don't need the chemicals to be going in, you know, into our biggest organ in the body. So I, I would recommend that's an easy one. My second favorite uh, thing in the world is coconut oil. No, I think it's my most favorite thing in the world is coconut oil. I apply it. I eat it. I do oil pulling with it. I do everything that I even, you know, I put it in my, I put it in my coffee also. <laughs> so it's uh, literally like one thing I can't live without is coconut oil. <laughs> and I would recommend that, you know, you make it a part of you because it's really close to the uh, oil glands that our skin has. 
So it really absorbs beautifully. It gives an, you know, it gives a beautiful natural glow, applying, bathing. You know, you do like a abhyanga massage with coconut oil for yourself every day. You know, you just sort of do a, like, and all it takes is like two or three minutes. It doesn't take long, but, you know, you induce that blood circulation with that coconut oil and you, you move the strokes towards your heart. So you're activating blood circulation, you're activating your fascia, you know, it's so beneficial and it doesn't take long. Oil pulling with coconut oil every morning, um, and not every morning, like twice a week. And uh, yeah, so this is in terms of the uh, beauty regimen and for uh, consuming something simple that can be very, very helpful. Uh, so I start my day with uh, a big pitcher of, you know, everything that I can find that's available. So, you know, tulsi, haldi, you know, like a kada, right? So just having a, you know, having that to cleanse as the first thing in the morning. So, um, you know, ginger, um, uh, also, yeah, whatever you have available, add that, especially whatever is available locally. You know, don't go out looking for it. Um, so we have such beautiful herbs going, growing all around us, you know, and I often say like grow your own herbs, you know, grow like whatever you can find, grow your own and that how that will benefit us and how that will transform us is so much more profound than something you buy off the shelf. So, you know, just try and not buy things off the shelf and try and consume as much fresh, open, clean, organic produce as possible. You know, that's just an overall, um, overall recommendation. Yeah. Mm. So we have, we're very blessed. We have a farm where we grow our vegetables. So we consume most of our vegetables from the farm. And, you know, that it's, uh, that food is alive. You can feel it. It's, you know, it's breathing. They always, Ayurveda says, eat from your land. So, you know, it's just rather than eating things that are shelved and grown somewhere else, even if it's from a different state, eat local. You know, it's, uh, it does something for our DNA that's very beneficial. Food talks so deeply to our DNA, you know, so it's uh, important uh, how we treat our gut. That's that's a very good point you just said. Uh, eat locally, and uh, this is again for everyone who might think that. Let's say if I get a specific superfood from a different country, and that yes. might help me, that wouldn't help you more than something which is just within a hundred kilometer range from where you live, because absolutely that food is more alive. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, we're, um, we, we are very organic creatures. We thrive in nature. We thrive in, that's why, you know, just, um, yeah, I think there is something very deeply connecting uh, with the microbiome and the local food that you can consume. You know, there is a beautiful connection. There's a beautiful network that it creates. So, yeah, one tip. Uh, is I, I always say that, you know, each meal, each plate that you make for yourself should have the colors of a rainbow. So, you know, and it's also like eating for your chakras. So it's like the seven colors of the chakra. But, um, you know, seven obviously is, is very ambitious. So what you can do is, you know, have at least three colors on every meal that you serve. You know, red, peppers, dal, yellow, and like a chapati or rice, and of course a salad. Like so, you know, just a good quantity of raw foods in every meal. Um, 
but yeah the colors are important because they talk to your chakras very similar to an indian thali be it any state absolutely you're right absolutely you know our our ways are very profound we already have all this wisdom we just need to bring it back you know we just need to go back to our roots we need to go to our grandmother's kitchens and just bring back everything that they did because they did something right true 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 that's that's uh, yeah. something which everyone should start practicing even if you might not be having a disease even if you have might be having a very good life as per your perspective yeah absolutely so, now manchi moving on to your corporate uh, session side you practice and conduct yog nidra sessions which is also called as yogic sleep now can you explain what is it exactly and how much value have you derived it in your personal practice so i don't do just yoga nidra yoga nidra is sometimes we do we do teach them yoga nidra as a tool which is very important because they need to unplug but we do all uh, you know what i practice with corporates is a wide range of things we do breath work you know foundational breath work we do uh, you know we do all kinds of meditations which are very simple for them we do you know something that they really love is mindfulness tools so very simple mindfulness tools that they can apply while sitting in office you know and i tell them that you know i teach them always ujjayi breath and i'm like keep it with you keep it on keep your ujjayi on all the time um so it's uh, you know it's just really like um small things like uh, this is another small habit that can really change your life and yoga nidra as well of course it's so powerful but sometimes yoga nidra can be you know you have to have people who are receptive if people are not receptive they will uh, they'll torture themselves in the yoga nidra session or they'll all they'll have a you know they'll be snoring <laughs> so one extreme or the other <laughs> so you know especially with people who've never practiced i think the breakdown has to be very slow you have to give them small capsules so you give one capsule let it explode in their bodies and their minds and their hearts and then let them come back for more you know so it's um, uh, i think you have to it has to be very simplistic so they feel like it's not overwhelming and they can really it's applicable to their lives you know give them you know like say you know simple breathing techniques or mindfulness techniques that they can practice like if i tell you now to close your eyes and start counting your breath 20 to 1 you'll do it it's easy there's nothing overwhelming about that but if i tell you to do like bhastrika pranayama right now you'll be like no i'm in office i cannot to even though i tell them to do bhastrika and then you know it's like a whole office floor is doing bhastrika together when they're all feeling sleepy around 4 pm i'm like this is good <laughs> you guys need to keep this going so uh, you know people people are entertained with the way we unpackage yoga now with the way we unpackage pranayama so you know they're like um, you know we don't want to do like alternate nostril breathing i'm like no we won't do just alternate nostril breathing we'll do we'll do that too but uh, you know we'll awaken you because i think the thing is that you need to wake people up they're sleeping people have gone to sleep <laughs> so i like to you know i like to wake them up i like to wake them up and you know it's not just waking up physically it's like you know say hello to the spirit meet yourself say hi to yourself like did you when was the last time you know you you really 
sat doing nothing at all and uh, there you know it's a shocking question obviously like i'd ask you you'll have a very good answer for me that's why i won't ask you <laughs> but you know like uh, you ask people like when was the last time you spent 10 minutes doing nothing at all and nothing means not even eating no phones no devices no checking email and it means not even thinking <laughs> and that's what it is right because it's uh, that's the hardest thing in the world <laughs> and that's the aim because that's my aim that people can you know sit for 10 minutes doing nothing at all so you inculcate you know just don't call it meditation you get scared <laughs> that that seems more overwhelming from for everyone yeah really so you have to just keep it so simple keep it so basic and you know it, it's got to be because now we're only teaching online right every all the exchanges online so i find that it's such a beautiful opportunity to share from wherever people are wherever you are share whatever you have but the challenge with teaching online is that you need to you have to be bigger like it's a performance right you see me like everything is big you know right. if i'm sitting with you in person you know it can be it can be a bit more contained but online to get people's attention and now we know people's attention is 3 minutes and that's uh, not even 3 minutes it's some it's actually it varies between 30 seconds to 3 minutes True. i even read somewhere it's actually like it's even 30 seconds so i i read it that it's lesser than the attention span of a goldfish which is around 7 seconds <laughs> Oh my god so you know they're not with you the whole time so whenever you have them you better catch them good you know it's like okay yeah now i have you so it's uh, obviously as uh, facilitators you know we have to we have to be a lot more energized we have to be a lot amplified it's like you know you it's almost like being theatrical but uh, you know that's the only way and uh, i'm happy to do it because you know it's just um, i i love this medium i love being able to you know teach why are the why are the radio waves why are the wifis of the world i think it's so beautiful you can connect the entire universe and you know like we are in the process of organizing the lar- largest virtual yoga festival in the world that's ever happened so and is this could never happen if we didn't have the blessings of the pandemic <laughs> so now everyone can be where they are we have you know we have less carbon footprint we have less fossil fuels being burnt and yet and i think there is also an advantage that people are they're a little bit more present you know if you are here with me for a purpose in a class not this but in a class you you are going to be a lot more present because you are willingly here otherwise you wouldn't be here you'll turn it off right but you're here so there's a lot more uh, mindfulness there's a lot more um presence consciousness in a way yeah that, yeah that that is true um a big boon post the pandemic i guess we might have jumped at least 5 years ahead down the line uh in terms of how we have been accepting online classes because i felt that no one would be ready to do online classes before the yeah. pandemic and then like everyone started doing it absolutely it has completely transformed people have opened up to the idea of you know being on their computers and i don't think it interferes in the learning process because you know like we're running our ttc virtually and i think it's uh, you know it's beautiful because you just have to there is a there is a whole um, you know there's a whole system around that 
there is a way to do it. Like I was telling you, like about being theatrical, you know, there are ways. I think now people are going to be talking about how to teach yoga online. This is going to be the new module, you know, because this is here to stay. Right. You know, this right. is definitely here to stay. Might be, it could be also a combination, like a hybrid, you know, on and offline, a combination, which is nice because we do need human contact. But, um, you know, if I can access, um, you know, a guru like, you know, in the far reaches of the Himalayas online, and I don't have the opportunity to be with him in person, why wouldn't I, you know, tap into that opportunity? You would. That's, that's true. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, um, now, Mansi, moving on to uh, your personal routines, how do you prime yeah. yourself for the day? Do you have any morning routine? Yes. Um, so, mornings are usually depends on like the class schedules and things. But, uh, you know, my, my practice is key, like I said to you. So for me, my practice, um, you know, is most important. And, uh, you know, I need to sort of, you know, around that, the day gets curated. So, um, and then, you know, of course, I mean, it's not, uh, it's not written in stone. If you're traveling, then you do it a bit later in the day. But usually it's the mornings that, you know, you need, I think you need to offer yourself a beautiful, big, luxurious morning where you're with your breath, you're with nature, preferably, you know, it's just, it's a time that you are in a very yin state of mind. You're, you know, much more um, internalized, you're much more reflective because there is already, you know, that's available for you as a part of the circadian rhythm. So, yeah, I think that's important for me. Yeah. And uh, otherwise the days are chaotic, (laughs) you know, before the day consumes you, it's important to get the practice in. And, and, and I think that my days are chaotic by choice. You know, I like it like this. (laughs) I like to, this is how I thrive. You know, there needs to be uh, multiple things on the go. You know, I need to be, you know, I need to feel that, you know, there is a life, life is bubbling all around me. I need to feel that. Um, So, and when I want to tap into the quiet, when I want to tap into, you know, tap into that silence, which is in the center of the storm, that I can do that. All I need to do is close my eyes, tap into my breath. It's easy, right? It's, it's always accessible, but that's the thing. You have to make yourself in such a way that it's always accessible, that you close your eyes and you bliss out, you know, then it doesn't matter what storm is brewing on the outside, but, you know, deep inside, like, you know, the very center of us, it's a beautiful, still quiet place. You know, it's a deeply grounding place. So, yeah. Whenever you have these busy days, right, when it's like too much of work, do you uh, squeeze in any 10-minute practice? And if yes, then what kind of practice is that? When I have, and this is something I do every morning anyway, which, uh, you know, as I wake up. So that's something that's non-negotiable. That's about, uh, you know, it varies. So ten between 10 to 30 minutes is what I do um, as soon as I wake up. So um, it's something that is very simple. And it's something that it really is very, very grounding for me. So, you know, I'll do a few rounds of um, Ujjayi breaths. And then I just sit with emptiness for about 15 minutes. So it's almost, um, you know, it's like you go into a zero state. It's almost like it's a transcendental meditation sort of. So uh, basically, you know, it's what when, when I tell people, 
to do this. It's almost just like do nothing, really do nothing at all. Don't think anything. If you're feeling, you know, if you're falling off to sleep, let yourself sleep, you know, just, but just say, stay seated, stay with it. And then obviously one will understand when is that 15 minutes, you know, running out you know, over time, you do understand that. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, it's like you go into a shunya and it becomes, it reveals itself. You go deeper in it, the more you stick with it. Of course, people are like, you know, like it's, uh, I do, I'm sleeping or whatever. Obviously in the beginning, it's not something which is very comfortable to us because we're not in touch with ourselves, but it takes, you know, over time, it makes its, you know, it makes its way into your body, mind and soul so beautifully. So it's what I like 15 minutes of shunya, nothing, nothing, just being with nothingness. Um, it's, you know, one of my favorite practices to wake up to in the morning. Oh, that's that's beautiful. Means uh, getting into that state of shunya is very difficult for someone uh, to explain to someone who's very new. But yeah, yeah, for people who have experienced this, this is something which yeah. would connect differently. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, what is your practice? So, I if I have a very short time, I would yeah. try to get at least ten to twenty surya maskars, and that is something which just brings a spurt of energy within me and uh, yeah that that is like my my key practice and if i want to just calm down i would get into any form of pranayama wonderful wonderful beautiful so yeah surya namaskar definitely for the physical part is yeah is a non-negotiable for me as well 12 rounds like you know just whether something else happens or not you know because that yeah, that is definitely, uh, I, I want to definitely resonate with you on that one. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I don't know what is, in it, what is in it, but it's very powerful. And I've had a word on oh, this yeah. with many people, but everyone has that, uh, those similar thoughts. Yeah, because I mean, you know, it's, uh, I think it's, it's because it's one of the most comprehensive practices that have been designed in our, you know, in the science of yoga. And it's, um, it works at so many levels. And I think this is, you know, this is my reasoning for why Surya Namaskara, Surya Namaskara is so profound and it has an effect on so many levels that I think it's because, you know, even though you're moving the physical body, but, um, but what you're actually doing is that you're using the physical body as a stepping stone to higher possibilities. So you always allow, you know, if, if you're doing it right, and I always encourage people to practice it with eyes closed. That's, you know, that's when the magic happens. You know, that's oh, when... I, I should definitely try this too then. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, Arish. You must try it with eyes closed because that's when you will unpack all of its power and magic. I mean, you're already, imagine like you're already deriving so much that it's a non-negotiable practice for you. But if you were to, yeah, if you were to enhance it a little bit more, if you wanted to get a little bit more out of your practice, I think that would be the way. Yes, yes. I'll, I will definitely practice and I'll let you know on those uh, benefits. Yeah, please do. <laughs> so now, uh, moving on to a food question. Do you have any yeah. food choices which you strictly avoid? Uh, yeah, lots of foods I strictly avoid. I mean, you know, I, I don't like to eat anything packaged. Uh, I don't like to eat, um, you know, anything. I mean, I just, I like to eat fresh sattvic food. 
you know it doesn't matter what it is but i like freshly cooked satric food from the land where that i'm in so i do travel a lot um so you know just i like yeah that's that's basic it's just i think you know it's so it's a big gamut of uh, what you can eat and also what you can't eat <laughs> and uh, of course when there's no choice you eat whatever's available but you know i really much rather not you know just uh, it's so simple to like you can get dal chawal everywhere right <laughs> so <laughs> you know true. that's really true. like uh, khichdi is my favorite food <laughs> true as in like uh, that is the best recommendation try to get as much local as possible and if you can go a step ahead grow it yourself absolutely beautiful exactly uh, i mean if we don't have the luxury of being able to grow it ourselves you know at least what the least we can do is source it locally from the local farmer like he's working very hard to grow this beautiful food for us and uh, you know all of the energy that goes into the nourishment of that plant is being consumed by us so it's very powerful and it won't you won't find the same prana in the food or the same nourishment in the food if you ate you know say like frozen foods or like you know a can of foods which i mean you know fortunately in india we don't do that so much so it's uh, you know actually, we are we are very very blessed actually the sad thing is that uh, packaged food is so readily available and in such yeah. cheap quantities that uh, yeah. easily people do fall uh, into that trap so true so true exactly because i mean it's like eating plastic right even like a bag of potato chips it's like when were they you know when were they harvested when were they like you know deep fried whatever i mean i i don't even want to think about all that it's just it's like eating plastic you know then you might as well just eat you know like um your chair <laughs> <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. but you know then i think it's also i don't think it's nice to um you know push philosophies on people because you know people should make their own choices it's important so it's 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 nice to educate people like what you're doing it's a beautiful way to inform people and it's also a beautiful way to have you know people meet other people who have different choices you know who've who've uh, made uh, you know who've made more aware conscious choices and i think when you when you do that you you open that you know rather than telling people what's more beautiful is that you lead by example and you sort of show them a little people into a different way of living and what that can do for you you know rather than like you know rather than following these diets and all of that i think just you know one size doesn't fit all we're all built so uniquely and that uniqueness is our true celebration of each one of us you know you're you you have uh, you know you have a lot more strength that you can sort of take your body towards i maybe have more flexibility or i have maybe more you know um, you know to be able to sit for long hours in meditation we are all so different you know so it's it's not right to say that do this and don't do this and i think just life is anyway too short we're not here for very long you know so really we do end of the day if you consume whatever you're doing whatever you're consuming mindfully and most importantly joyfully it will do good for you it will become it will induce high prana for you you know there's no way it can harm you so you know anything can 
be made good for you or it can be made bad for you depending on what is the bhava with which you're consuming it that's that's so, very well yeah. said that's very well said so uh, manji yeah. we've just come to the end of a show what message would you like to give to everyone uh i wanted to just add when we were talking about my business um you know i had come uh, i had finished my i'm a trained filmmaker so i was making documentary films and i came back from australia hoping to make documentary films is what i was doing um but then i realized that i wanted to create something that was an earth nourishing enterprise but yet was coming from a place of passion for me and that's when my entrepreneurship entrepreneurial enterprise was born which is called house of kapali which we didn't talk about so that's what i wanted to add um so you know house of kapali is um, there you know where we run homestays that are focused around eating well living well and living connectedly close to nature close to your breath in um, in delhi outside of delhi in, in the himalayas and in goa so i feel very very blessed that i was able to um you know sort of do this for the past 10 12 years and it's been a beautiful journey and it's um you know i'm just and it always every day feels st- like still the beginning you know you you do do it for so many years and you do it at like autopilot but it just every day feels so new and it feels so fresh and like i always say that you know when you do what you love you don't work a day in your life it's like you're you're on constant vacation a lot of times i walk into places they're like oh my god it looks like you're just coming back from the beach and i'll go i'm going into a meeting in delhi <laughs> i'm like yes because it's all up here the beach is here the mountains are here it's all in your head <laughs> so you know where are you living you know are you are you living you know you know there's a beautiful mantra i use it's uh, where the attention goes is where the energy flows right we know this so what is it that you know what you practice whatever you practice as a bhava as an experience in your life is what is going to grow stronger so you know like i would ask you harish are you practicing are you practicing being impatient are you practicing being um, unkind are you practicing you know are you practicing being compassionate are you practicing being joyful are you practicing um, you know getting stronger <laughs> whatever you i mean it's because it's exactly like we make biceps in the gym like you make muscles using your what is it called again kallagadai kallagadai which you yeah. can see behind you yeah. <laughs> you know are you because obviously we know that when we do that when we do the kallagadai we'll get the body overall will gain strength and tonality right and right. it's the very same with how you treat the muscles in your mind you know it's mm. these are the mental biceps that we strengthen in the gymnasium of life so what is it that you're growing what is it that you want to grow because what you grow is what you'll reap on the other side so it's you know we mustn't forget that we can't hope to live our days angry short tempered impatient and at the end of the day you know have uh, you know sunflowers blossoming for us no for that you have to so the seeds of joyfulness of sunshine of nourishment of nurturement not just for people around you but for yourself you know we've got to shift ourselves back up on the priority list on the to do list we went too down we need to shift ourselves 
back on the top of our to-do list. Because um, like I said before, we're not here for very long. You know, it's a, it's a short life. And um, you know, what is it that you plan to do with this one wild and beautiful life? <laughs> Ask yourself this question every day. You know, just well, make, you know, find a mantra that works for you. And you know, this works for me. Am I practicing what I want to grow stronger? Am I, you know, am I feeding that? Am I in tune with, you know, am I in alignment with my purpose? Am I in alignment? And then the plans and then the daily life and all of the mundane stuff will also fall into resonance when you are stepping into your authentic truth, when you're in alignment with your, you know, with your higher purpose. You And we already know each one of us is born with that, you know, cellular information embedded in our DNA. It's already present. We just need to shed off the layers. We need to relax a little bit. We need to not take ourselves so seriously. We need to laugh more. We need to love more. We need to hug more and really live a life which is, you know, of profound beauty and exuberance and bliss, which is our natural state. <laughs> yes. As you said, finding a larger purpose. If someone does get that one thing right, everything falls straight. Yeah. So true. So true. So it's um, not rocket science. <laughs> yeah. It's easy. True. It is it is definitely not rocket science. True. True. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Mansi Ji. Uh, it was great uh, talking with you, having your ideas uh, shared here about breath, about purpose, about how someone should take steps entering into yoga, as well as we will make sure to add all the links, uh, all your social links, uh, your TTC link in the show notes too for our audience if they want to inquire more on this. And that guess that should help them too. Um, any parting words you have to say? I have to say that you're doing a fantastic job. I hope that we can clone you so that you can do <laughs> much more of this with much more vigor and you can spread this beautiful sense of celebration, you know, and just because wellness is a sense of celebration, you know, reaching deep inside your state of well-being, your state of wellness through yoga, through meditation, through fitness. I think that is what is soul nourishing. And what you're doing is beautiful, fantastic, so inspiring. And I wish you all the best in what you're doing. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That means a lot to me. Thank you. Thank you, Manjali. Namaste, Hariji. It's been an honor and a pleasure. Thank Namaste. you so much. Namaste. Thank you. Once again, thank you for hearing out the episode. All topics with their respective links and our email IDs will be available in the show notes. See you in the next episode.